Welcome to Behind the Stats with Matt Cross, a podcast taking a deeper dive into the sports stars from around the world so you can get to know the person behind the stats. Behind the Stats is sponsored by Buzz Physique. Use code MATT10 to apply 10% off your orders. And now, here's your host, Matt Cross. Okay, so welcome to episode one of uh, Behind the Stats with Matt Cross. Um, thank you all so much for joining in, join, uh, joining the feed and listening in. Um, uh, quick mention, uh, as it was mentioned in the start, to my sponsor, Buzz Physique. Uh, go to www.buzzphysique.co.uk, use code MATT10 and you're getting 10% off your orders on there. Uh, brilliant company, gymwear company based down in my hometown of Plymouth. Uh, so massive shout out to them and thank you for being involved. Um, so episode one, um, I could not think of a better person to get this podcast off the uh, off the ground. Um, uh, an amazing person, um, an absolute legend within the swimming fraternity um, and, and now branching himself out into to business, into motivational speaking um, and doing some bits uh, in his own business of learned to swim as well. Um, privileged to call him a friend um and uh like i said brilliant to have him on on episode one it's uh chris cook oh. welcome mate oh thanks for an introduction man my, my head is swelling now <laughs> <laughs> oh, honestly uh, back out here i really appreciate that that's um it's a privilege to be number one guest as well the first one i am um, i'm buzzing I'm buzzing uh mate couldn't think of anyone i i would want on more than you oh, um man. Maybe Ronaldo, but that's only because of his, Insta- <laughs> only because of his Instagram followers, mate. I'll concede. I'll concede for that. I'll concede. <laughs> uh, so, so Chris, as as uh, as you know, mate, the, it's called behind the stats. So I'm going to start with uh, reeling off a few stats <laughs> that that people can find about you on on Wikipedia. Um, so not to, not to embarrass you, but 1979 birthday. Yeah. Uh, you know, mate, looking far younger than your age. I, I you know, I'm. 1990 and I look about 20 years older than you so that's <laughs> you're doing all right um so a former competitive swimmer uh for GB for England uh and for the Newcastle swim team um and I suppose the the highlights of your career uh Olympics in 04 uh in Athens Olympics in in 08 in Beijing um a bronze medal uh, at the World Championships, I believe in sh- uh, Shanghai, was it 06? That's the one. Uh, and and then I, I suppose probably the 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 big one for you, the one that I uh, you know I remember watching as a as a young athlete myself was the the Melbourne 06 Commonwealth Games yeah. um, and the the double gold medal, the 50 yeah. and the 100 breaststroke. Um, yeah. So I suppose let's. Let's sort of dive into those a little bit, get the stats out of the way, and then we'll really get to know you. So, um, I suppose let's start with let's start with the Olympics. Um, let's start there in in oh four and oh eight. Um, so, oh four was that your first major competition with Great Britain? Was that the first one you sort of went to, or it was? I did. Um, I managed to make the team 
in the European team the December before. And that was my kind of, I guess, my international debut. So going to the Olympics six to eight months after that was a bit of a shock. It was a bit of a shock, I must be honest. Although I'd done the World Student Games um, three years before that, which is, it's like a smaller version of, if you like. It's a multi-sport festival. It was in China. It was in Beijing, which is really helpful on the lead up to 2008. Um, But yeah, like, so I I kind of, I would like to say I burst onto the scene, but I didn't. I was there or thereabouts because breaststroke is such a strong and always has been. We've got such a strong pedigree in the in Great Britain, and we have done for years. So I was kind of fourth, third, fifth regularly, sitting at home watching it, going, "I could be in that final. I could be there." Yeah. Um, but we just had a world class field at home. Yeah, no, definitely. And then I suppose we'll we'll jump a little bit to to let's go to the Worlds in '06, mm. um, the bronze medal. How, how, how did you feel? How was your build up to that? What was the, what did you take from 04 to really allow you to go to the worlds and, and achieve that, that amazing result? So in 2006, I, um, I'd come off the back of, in two, in 2005, I'd made the world champs final, um, finished fourth in the 50 breast and fifth in the 100 breast. And my coach at the time, Ian Oliver, we nicknamed him Jock. He was called Jock. We, he, he sat me down and he said, listen, you know, I know you gutted with coming fourth and fifth. He said, but I need to let you know that was the fastest men's 100 metres breaststroke in world swimming history to date. And the top six in there would have would have been fighting for a medal at any other games or any other meet previous to that. And I thought, wow, sometimes you come out of a race or you come out of a whatever it is that you do in your day and you just analyse it as a whole thing. And my coach, Jock, he was just so good at breaking things down and going, well, your start might not have been great, but let's not throw everything out with that. There was other great stuff to build on. He was great at breaking it down. So going into the 2006 Commonwealth Games where I took two gold medals, I then went straight on to Shanghai on the way home. So the World Champs was six weeks after the Commonwealth Games on the way home in Shanghai. And um, I didn't actually make the final of the 100 breast. I got through the heats into the semi and then I had to do a swim off to get into the final for the 50 breast. So I had this swim off with Alexander Dallone, who went on to win a medal at the, the Olympics and, and sadly passed away not long after it with, with a, a heart problem. And I think it was Flagstaff. I'm sure it was in a training camp. Great lad. Great, great lad. And I had a swim off against him um, and I'd never lost, ever lost a swim off in my life. And I was like, I'm not losing this one. So I'm getting in the final. So I knew I had my place before I'd gone there. And I, I weirdly, I was sat in the call room with Alexander and I said, um, I'm not being funny, but I've never lost a swim off. He went, oh, don't tell me that. And I knew I had him there. And I was like, I got you, pal. We were good mates. Anyway, got into the final and I was in lane eight, as you, as you know. And I remember going into the 50 breasts, just thinking, do you know what? It's it's splash and dash, you know, there's waves everywhere as soon as you hit the water and, and turn, especially on the second length. And I thought, I'm not going to get those waves, I'm in the outside lane. And I just went for it. And yeah, that's where I got that bronze medal. It was a it was a cheeky bronze, if you like, from a swim off of all things. <laughs> <laughs> just goes to show, it, doesn't it? Uh, you've got a lane, you've got a chance, as the old adage goes. I love it. It's my favorite <laughs> phrase. Favorite. Uh, brilliant, mate. And then um you touched on 
t- on Ian there. We'll we'll, we'll mm. touch on the the commies in a minute, but you touched on Ian there. Um, what what was it about Ian that that sort of drew you? Obviously, from South Shields going to mm. Newcastle to swim under him. What yeah. was it that drew you to 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 want to swim for Ian? Oh man, where do I start? So many things. I've, I, I love that guy to pieces. I've I spent so much time with him. Obviously, I'd come from South Tyneside where um, my coach, who was a great mentor as well, a guy called Ken Nesworthy. He's, he's a fantastic coach still up in um, Sunderland, and he he sat me down one day and he just said, "Listen, you know." We've taken you as far as we can get you. I believe I can take you further. But with the facilities, with the access to the facilities, we, we just don't have it here. You know, you've got this special something that I've seen for years. It's time to move on. And it takes a big person to do that. Yeah. And I look back now, I'm, I'm what, 43 now, and I look back and I think, God, if I'd have taken a young swimmer that far, it must have been really hard for him. And he sat me down and there wasn't one whiff of you're staying he was, he was basically saying, you need to go now because if you don't, you're going to miss the boat. You're going to miss the chance. I was 18. I just turned 18. Yeah. And the obvious choice in the Northeast was Newcastle, empire of a club, massive club. You know, when you walked in the doors of the city pool in Newcastle, Ian Oliver had put all these flags all the way around the building. So when you walked in, these flags were quite significant. There were flags of countries all around the world. And what he did was, he, if you represented Great Britain and let's just say Italy or Canada, you'd take down the Canadian flag and the Italian flag and he'd stitch your name into it. He'd put it back up there and you were there with some of the greats that had swam at Newcastle. But the two flags were right at the far end, at the deep end of the pool, was the Commonwealth Games flag and the Olympic flag. And imagine walking into training every day and just seeing names. You just knew you were part of something. And yeah. sometimes... Sometimes, you know, I think you need to be reminded of how great you are, but how powerful it is to be part of something that's gone before you. You know, we've just come out the back end of the Jubilee yeah. celebrations and it, I, I, I just, it was a reminder after COVID and after everything we've been through, there's so much still to be really proud of. You know, yeah. you look, sometimes you look at the stuff that's wrong, but actually there's loads of stuff that's right. And, you know, he, he was just a passionate guy, Jock, Um he was just passionate. He was there every day, way before anyone else. He was just consistent. He just believed in consistent blocks of excellence every day, just turning up and just delivering. What have you got in the tank today? Just gives it. But he was, he, he was a real empath and really kind of, yeah, he just nurtured us and he, he learned what I needed. And by the time I started to come through, he had obviously Sue Rolf, who was fantastic, Sam Fogel. Yeah. He had a raft of athletes um, when you look back. But by the time he got me, I was a male breaststroke specialist sprinter. He'd not yeah. really had that before. So we were kind of learning bits together. Um, yeah, he just, he, he made me want to turn up and, and race and give me best. And there was something I couldn't put my finger on about that kind of partnership that was just so powerful. Yeah, brilliant. I, I, I remember meeting meeting him a couple of times uh, at national championships and and British champs and you know the stories he could tell and just his the the way the way he spoke was just you wanted to listen Absolutely. It, 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 he could be telling you about the bacon sandwich you'd had for breakfast yeah and you and you'd want to know about it you'd want you you just want to listen he did he had that <laughs> way about him it's interesting yeah. I, I caught up with him not so long ago a couple of months ago 
obviously he's a, he's a lot older and he's had a few health problems recently and and his um and he's just his his banter and his crack was still there he was reeling off yeah. stats from like 2001 I was like where are you getting this from how do you remember that like I don't remember that and they were my stats yeah like, oh, I remember the semi-final when you were disappointed I was thinking oh yeah I was I've erased that from your memory he's still got it he's still got yeah. it and he you're uh, absolutely brilliant. right he's just worthy of a listener's knees just yeah just sit and listen definitely yeah. and would you would you say obviously you know now retired mm. um would you say that that relationship has obviously become a bit more of a friendship. Um, and did that change while you were still an athlete? Did it become more friendship based as you were a bit of an older athlete or has that only happened since you, since you stepped away from the pool? Um, a bit of both really. I mean, I've never really lost contact. I've always had that contact. I went through a really, really tricky patch personally when I left swimming, um, wasn't prepared for it. Didn't know what I was going through. I don't even know what it was at the time. I mean, people could label it as all sorts of things, depression, um, feeling like you've lost something, grief, whatever. I went through something that was really emotionally traumatic. Um, I went looking for help in all sorts of places. Nothing seemed to work. So I was kind of consumed in this kind of almost selfish, really, if I'm honest with you, this selfish journey of, I had to shut things out and and swimming was the thing I had to step away from. I realized that on the journey that I'm an all or nothing person. I didn't know that I was that person, but I'm an all or nothing person. I'm either all in or all out. There's no half measures. And when there is half measures in my life, I end up messing it up. (laughs) So, and I didn't realize that. So I had to break away from swimming. So whilst I kind of lost that face-to-face contact, I still kept in touch with people. Um, but I needed to move on. I needed to really find myself, not find myself. I needed to create myself again. And that meant that I had to move on. Um, so it's been lovely recently, you know, reconnecting with people like Jock and just reminiscing. I you know, sat with him and had a good, good old laugh, good old cry about things. It was just brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And well, it just reminds you that life's a journey. It's a journey. Yeah. You know, we all think we're on this we're heading for this destination and this destination, but actually it's not, it's not at all. And I think I, when I finished yeah. swimming, I got wrapped up in, oh my God, I'm a two-time Olympian. I must move on to something amazing. What are people going to think? It was all ego-driven, Matt. It was all ego-driven. Yeah. And and once I ditched it and once I dropped it and once I started to own my part to play, that's when my life took off again. Um, but it took a lot of swallowing, oh, getting rid of that ego, if you like. Brilliant. All right, mate. Now, talking of ego, <laughs> let's uh, let's let's hit the the stats behind. Like I've said, probably I don't know if you consider it, but definitely uh, what I remember of you vehemently as a swimmer um, mm. when I was growing up the 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 O six Melbourne Commonwealth yeah. Games. Um, so, you know, you've got, you've got the hundred breast was your first race of, of the week. It was. Um, you have James Gibson. Mm. You've got Darren Mew yeah. in the final with you. You've just smashed the, uh, the games record in the, in the semi final to go in as, as fastest qualifier. Yeah. Um, 
talk, talk me through the final, mate. Talk me through what it, the, the, the feeling during it, the feeling after it, like mm. what, just describe it to me. So it was, you are right. It was definitely a, a moment. In fact, the game's title was a moment in time, weirdly enough. And on the lead up, this was a very different year. I've just come off the back of 2004 where I went to the games for the 200 breaststroke. I wasn't a 200 breaststroke specialist. Having said that, I was in the top 10 in the world for a bit, but I just knew I'd reached my pinnacle in the 200. It just wasn't my forte. Obviously, I'd doubled up the train and I'd doubled up everything and gone for it. So you can imagine the year and a half after that massive volume of training, I still had that under the belt. So we were riding off the crest of the wave of all that work. It was it was there tucked away. So now I was just adding speed, getting race preparation in, all that sort of stuff. So 2005, 2006 were just heyday years they were just like I was just on it and I went to the Commonwealth Games with a couple of niggles a couple of injuries but nothing nothing major to write home about but I asked myself a handful of questions and the first one was and it was a bit different this year and a half leading up the first one was is this going to help me swim two lengths faster that was my main one so we had this two length slogan within the team the physio would ask I'd ask the physio I'd ask the weight coach is what I'm doing now, is bench press going to help me swim two lengths faster? And if it was a long convoluted yes, it was an easy no. <laughs> and yeah. that was that was the rule. If someone had to convince us, it was a no. It was either a black and white yes or no. And we, start, we started to get really ruthless with things and in a really kind way. So we started getting rid of things that just weren't helpful. You know, I, was a, yeah. I wasn't a junior athlete. I was a senior athlete, but still part of me training was still very much almost junior. I was doing similar stuff to what the juniors were doing. And we started to question yeah. it. We asked ourselves, I asked myself every day, how can I be a bit better than I was yesterday? And, okay. and I had to answer it with honesty. And then I had to action it. What we call the power of the three is you ask it, you answer it, you action it. Yeah. And it was always the action that drove it. So sometimes it came up, you know, you need to recover better, right? Well, where's that going to come from? Nutrition, hydration, rest, proper rest, you know, all that sort of stuff. So by the time I'd come around to the Commonwealth Games, I was I was on a high, I was flying. But you still got to get it over the line. I went through the yeah. heats into the semi-final. And in the semi-final, I was, I was, I said to my coach, I said to Jock, I said, listen, I'm just gonna pedal this one out. I'm gonna finish in around about third or fourth. I'm gonna place myself in this lane. And, and he just went, no, just, just go for it. And I was like, no, no, I want, I want to put... He went, no, 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 no tactics like that. He said, you just hit the water and practice what you're going to do in the final. And I just, I banged out the easiest 100 breaths I've ever done in my life in a 60 point. In fact, it's the one time that I wish I'd just... The last 15 metres, I kind of eased back because I knew I was kind of leading. I wanted to save something for the final. And I, and it's one little regret. I don't have many, but one little regret in that semi-final that I didn't just press on that last 15 because I reckon I could have gone well under the 60 mark. Yeah. Um, so got out of there, went into the final number one position and sitting in number one position overnight is not to be underestimated. Like, you know, it's, it's not the faint hearted. <laughs> yeah, if, anything, yeah. if anything goes wrong between then and the next day, it's usually mental unless you break your leg or your wrist or whatever. Yeah. And you, nobody wants to show that because there's a real weakness in that amongst your competitors. Yeah. So there was kind of a lot to lose, but that's where the best comes out of me. I don't like it, but that's where I get my best out. And 
obviously standing next to Brenton Rickard, who's second hot favourite. He was an Aussie swimmer, swimming in yeah. Australia. Melbourne crowd, partisan as anything. Boom, the roof comes yeah. off when he waves to the audience. And you could only really hear my mum and dad shout for me, <laughs> my wife, <laughs> in, in the cheap seats right at the top. But, you know, I went into that race, and I'll never forget, like, standing on the blocks. And when I was, when I was a kid, my granddad said to us, he said, you know, there's those moments in life when your heart starts pounding, your hands start sweating, and your head starts doubting. Do you know those moments? And I said, yeah, yeah, I do, I do, yeah. And he said, they're the moments you just have to step forward. I remember getting behind the blocks, and that feeling came over us, and those words just hit us. It's time to step forward, and literally put one foot forward, ready for the track start, and bang, the rest was history. And, and it wasn't a great race in terms of my performance, but it was the the outcome we were after and that was it. Yeah. And weirdly, when I turned at the wall, I just, as I pushed off, I kind of knew I had it, which is weird. And there's no disrespect to the other competitors. I was just unshakable. That year yeah. was unshakable. Yeah. Oh, man. Brilliant. And then you have to almost live with that elation, mm. but, but then bring yourself <laughs> down enough yeah, to to be able to do, go and do something in the fifty as well, which I I believe the fifty was on day day four. The final was day five. Yeah. Um. So you've got this unbelievable high. Yeah. And then you've got to level yourself out again. How how did you? How did how did Ian help you with that? How did the team around you? How did, how did that go to to bring yourself back? Well, there's twofold. One, you've got to manage your emotions in that moment because that's the bit that can zap your energy. So you've got you're in control that nobody else is. You've got to manage your energy and manage your emotions. But two, the second part is the most important part. You've got to you've got to build a process that you believe in and you trust. Yeah. So straight away, swimming down. You know, it sounds ridiculously boring, but hydration, nutrition, rest. You know, all those things to just. They're almost like a drop-down tick list that you go through, that you physically do to keep yourself yeah. there. The emotional side of things, all I want to do is be back there. But winning yeah. is an addiction. There's no getting around it. Winning's an addiction. And when I come to the final, I remember sitting in the stands with my wife um, the night before, and she said, oh, what are you going to do for the semi-final? I said, I'm going to win the 50. She went, oh, whoa, 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 back up, back. And I went, no, no, Eric, I'm going to win the 50. She went, oh, what, what, what makes you say that? I said, I'm just going to place myself in lane seven. And, and I did. I, I placed myself in lane seven. And I just knew going up that race, I was just, I'd won the 100. There was nothing to lose. Everything to yeah. gain. And again, there was no disrespect to me competitors, but I just felt that unshakableness about us. And I had that blueprint. And, you know, when you, when you find your groove, when you find the thing or you create the thing, I prefer to say, that helps you perform at your best. Once you find that blueprint, it's just a question of like refining it and defining it. That's it. And it, and it almost becomes simple. A, a human being's trying to complicate everything we do. We try to complicate everything, but actually simple works perfectly well. And, you know, it, it sounds a bit old fashioned, but hard work still works. <laughs> like yeah. there's, a, there's a generation of people looking for the easy route now. And it, it makes me laugh because the competition's getting easier. For me, it's getting easier because people are just looking for the easy route out where I'm like, I can roll my sleeves up. There's another level for me. There's another gear. There's yeah. another gear. And so when in, I won that 50. Now, the, the bit that really got us about the Commonwealth, and I love it. I love that meet. 
Last night was the men's four by hundred medley relay, and we finished second. And we got handed our asses by the the Aussies. <laughs> got our asses <laughs> handed to us by the Aussies. And I remember Brenton Rickard's split was absolutely class. Um, I remember coming out that race, and one of my teammates had said to us, oh, "Why are you not happy with silver?" And I went. Why the fuck do you think I'm not happy with silver? Why do you think I'm <laughs> upset? I've got two goals. I want to make it a third. And that's when I realized that winning was an addiction because I was really pissed off with, with second. Because um, yeah. for me at the time, you know, second was the first loser. And the two worst positions for me in, in swimming were fourth because you don't get a medal and second because you didn't get the gold. Yeah, and and it, and it is. And, you know, when I look back and I think, oh, you can handle a bronze because two people are better than you. Yeah, you know, two people are better than you, but uh, uh, you get pipped by someone. You're in silver. Oh, it's fucking painful, man. <laughs> it's painful. <laughs> uh, definitely. So, mate, you've let's let's sort of divulge away now from the from the stats. We've mm. we've been through how you know excellent you were as a swimmer and 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 you know an absolute stand up professional in, in that mm. regards. Um, if I take that now mm. uh, and look at what you're doing now with your life, if you know, I know you've got you've got the swim school, you've got swim yeah. buddies up and running. Yeah, uh, you're doing your your two lengths motivational speaking. Yeah. Um, what what's life like for Chris Cook now? The uh, how are we excelling in life nowadays? Oh, crikey. Yeah, I, you know, when I do sit down and I think about what ventures I've got going on, it, it does, sometimes it does think, I think, wow, like there's so much happening. You know, I'm a dad now, I'm obviously a husband and I'm multiple business owner. You know, I've got my own speaking business and, and that's taken off at places around the world now. I, I only started sharing my two length story as a little bit of something to do. Honestly, mate, I did not know where to go with my life. I did not know what to do. And I was worried. I was petrified. I was frightened. And once I started sharing things with honesty and openness, all of a sudden things just started opening up and people were like stepping forward going, this is, this is, this is really good. There's something in this. Can, can you come and do this for my staff and my team? And I've then started coaching, business coaching, one-to-one small group work, um, large organizations. And, you know, yeah, owning my own swim school, we've got over a thousand children in the academy now, and it's it's really taken off. And you know, it's not easy. Yeah. It is, and it's it, it's. I think the thing that I needed to learn. I, I'm a massive believer that we've got things to learn, and there's a premise to them. So I'll give you an example. You know, swimming was a bit of a personal journey for me, a bit of a selfish one. Yeah. Um, if I'm honest, you no, know, it was me. I just had to manage myself. Fairly simple to do, not difficult. And, you know, other people who come and go in your life, it's just about managing those relationships. I find that fairly straightforward and easy to do. When I retired from swimming, the bit that I found really tricky was all of a sudden I was now delivering a service to people who, for example, if someone's not particularly happy with something in the business, I'll be the one who has to deal with it. And I realized that actually there was a massive weakness in me, that emotional resilience was missing. So... That's been my mission is to acknowledge what's the personal, what's the personal lesson I'm here to learn in business. Well, a huge part of yeah. it is learning to deal with when people are disappointed in you. That's okay. You know, nobody's died here. <laughs> Get it yeah. in perspective. 
Um, and and so yeah, taking a lot of the lessons from sport into business has been a massive leg up, huge leg up. But also just staying in tune and listening to what is the challenge right now for you has been like life changing. It's been life changing, and you know to look at what I've kind of developed over the last ten years, me and my wife together. I feel really proud of it, and I'm going to be really honest with you. This is probably the happiest I've ever been. Um, just purely and simply because I, I feel as though I listen to what I desire now, and I really don't care what other people think. And if you'd have known, you known me really closely back in two thousand and one, two, three, four, five, six, I, I used to care what people thought. I was a bit of a people pleaser. Where now yeah. I'm just like it doesn't matter what title you've got, I'm not really worried if you don't really like me vibe. I'm I'm cool with that, um, and it doesn't bother us now. And do you know what? It's so yeah. liberating. It's yeah. bloody liberating. Um, so I, I feel like right. I feel that life groove now, uh, mate. That's amazing. I mean, you know, we've probably known each other close enough to be talking fairly regularly. What for probably the last eight nine years, maybe. Yeah, easy. Yeah. Um, and to hear you say now is the happiest mm. you've ever been because I've never really known you not to be happy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not um, unhappy, I've never been. Un- well, yeah, I did go through an unhappy patch, you're right. Um, but no, that's that's amazing to hear. Um, and I suppose not only the business side of things, the mm. everything's going well that way. Um, let's let's delve in a little bit more on on probably your 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 three biggest reasons yeah to be happy um yeah. obviously you've got your wife erica yeah uh you got charlie your little girl and casey your little boy yeah um chris cook the dad <laughs> take, take swimming and business away what's what's chris cook the dad the husband the <laughs> the family man how how how, do, how does chris cook's family life look you last have to ask them. They, they, they probably think I'm a pain in the arse, to be honest. <laughs> so you know what? I'm a little bit of a clean freak around the house. I'm, I am the guy who cleans and tidies and does all the washing, believe it or not. I'm proper boring. <laughs> I am honestly a cheap date. I am a cheap date. But, yeah, I just the, 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 you've absolutely hit the nail on the head. You know, we have got a fantastic home life and because we work at it. I'll be honest, there's times when it's out of kilter and we we just address it. We just hit it head on. Um, but yeah, the, the kids just bring so much joy, you know, just watching them turn into young people, young adults eventually, you know, when we take that journey is just, it is just phenomenal, but it is bloody hard work. You know, you the amount of days that I come in and, you know, I come in from work and I'm like, right, what is it now? What's gone wrong? <laughs> you know, <laughs> something's gone off, something's kicking yeah. off. And I'm like, oh my God, here we go. Got to sort it out. But it's never anything that we can't sort out. I believe you get sent things that you're ready for. You might not want, yeah. <laughs> you might yeah. not want them, but I do believe in that non-physical thing in life. You know, I don't know what does bond us all as human beings, yeah. but if there's anything that the last two or three years has taught me is that we are connected by something that we can't see. Yeah. And and that's not a virus. <laughs> you know, it's not a dig at the virus. <laughs> but I do believe there's something that bonds us all. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm a massive believer in throwing things up there and asking for it and putting that intention out there. I believe in that kind of connection with your subconscious. I believe in yeah. talking to it and telling it what you want. Whether there's some sort of mystical force beyond that, I don't know. I don't profess to know. But I yeah. do, I do 
loved having into it. And when it comes to family, you know, that that was my intention to have a family that is respectful, that goes out in the world and does good stuff. And that's the bit I'm proper proud of. That's a bit I love. I love it when people say, oh, your, your son's dead polite. He's pleasing that. I'm like, yes, get in. And <laughs> it's, it's amazing, you know, how many people come up and go, oh, your kid's going to be Olympic swimmers then. And I'm like, actually, I, I'm, I don't really know. What, you don't you don't know if they're good or not at swimming? I'm like, nah. You know, when I see them swimming, the only thing I say when they get in the car is, or if they play football or they go to jiu-jitsu or whatever it is, I get in the car and I just say, I loved watching it today. That's it. No judgment. And my son's asked us so many times for feedback. Well, what do you what do you think about me? And I'm like, it's it's not really me. It's your teacher who needs to give you that. I, I just love watching. I love seeing you having fun. And I deliberately draw that line in the sand because he he can have a thousand coaches and teachers, but he can only have one true dad. Yeah. And I, that's it. I think that's it's kind of profound to sort of hear you say that because you know me as a as as a swimming coach you get the parents that that think they know everything and they've they've definitely not been to your level of the sport yeah. do you know what i mean and uh, and you know one of my favorite images is uh, you've probably seen it the the image of luis suarez and and leo messi yeah. sat on the side on on their little beach picnic chairs having a laugh and just yeah. watching kids play and not not getting involved um, and I think you're right mate it's it's that you are their dad you're not yeah. their coach you're not their teacher you're not their yeah you know whatever you're there to pat on the bag well done love you Exactly. I'll give, you, I'll give you a prime example. It happened yesterday, funny enough. And this is why I believe in that kind of non-physical. A couple of months ago, my little boy, Casey, he, he goes to football. He absolutely loves just messing around with the lads and kicking about. He just he just loves it. I don't really know if he's any good or not. <laughs> I have no idea <laughs> or any gauge. I really don't care. He comes out, red face, sweating, and he's just buzzing. But he's had his bee in his bonnet for about three months now that he's not been acknowledged for the medal and everyone has in t- the point where there's some lads coming away and some of the girls as well coming away with like three and four medals. And he's like, I haven't had a medal. He came in about, it was about two weeks before the half term, broke his heart. And I said, is everything all right? He couldn't get his words out. He's that upset. And he's just, I keep getting overlooked for this medal. I keep getting overlooked for this medal. And now I know, I know I could have marched into that school because it was only 10 past four I could have marched in that school within 15 minutes. I could have had him a medal. I could have raised hell. I could have took the roof off the place and gone for it. And it, it was such an urge to do it. And I stopped myself because I know I would never do that. And I just said to him, okay, well, what do other people do that we can maybe learn from? What, what's the person who's got four medals? What's he like? What does he sound like, act like? What's his vibe on the pitch? What's happening? He taught us all about it. I said, okay, well, maybe we can start to take something from them. Anyway, he, he wasn't really having any of it. I didn't think he was listening. He goes off and I said, I don't know if I got through there. And I had a bad load of emotions about it. And I was still like, should I go to school? Should I go to school? <laughs> I came in last night. And weirdly, as I was driving to go and pick him up from school, I was like, I think he's got the medal this week for no reason whatsoever. I just thought, I think Case has got the medal here. He comes flying out, medal around his neck. Dad, 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 hands in the air. <laughs> and straight away, I just said, you did that. 
no one else, you did that. And I was like, I can't wait to find out what you've done to get it. And he told us, he went, oh, I, I helped a few people up who'd fallen down. I got it for being kind. And I was like, there you go. He, he, he worked it out himself. If I'd have jumped in, I'd have taken that lesson away. Yeah. I mean, what a life lesson. He's only eight. But what a life lesson he's learned there that no one's going to step in and rescue him. I'm not there to rescue him. I'm not <laughs> as hard as it is. And it's bloody yeah. hard. Yeah, Especially yeah. when they're breaking the heart and they're crying, they're snot down your sleeve and all sorts, you know, <laughs> and they're booing their eyes out. It's so easy to get that point to go, right, I'm here, I'll rescue you. And it was that yeah. moment that I was like, no, this is what being a true dad for me is all about. It's about helping him learn that he's got something personal to learn. Yeah. And that was a big challenge for me and a big challenge for him, but it, it pays off. It pays off every time. 100%. And then let's take a little bit from that what mm. what were your parents like with you they were fantastic um i had real parents of the sport people who didn't really take an interest in swimming per se interested in it but weren't sat on the sidelines for stop watches and and no pads or anything like that and just just kept me grounded you know i remember calling up and saying um to my mum one day, oh, I've, I've, I was a couple of hundreds off the European record or whatever it was. And it went really quiet on the phone. She went, is that good? <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's not bad. It's all right. She was like, oh, what, what time are you home Sunday? Because I, I need to know if I need to do a roast dinner or not. <laughs> and and that's, that was kind of, that was the vibe. That was the vibe. Everybody around yeah. the table got their chance to speak about their day. It wasn't the Chris show. And I yeah. think for a lot of families, when they have a, a little bit of a high flyer, it becomes that little person's show. And I yeah. think right there and then their identity gets formed too much. Yeah. And and I think that's where they they then start heading for a little bit of trouble because everyone's got skin in the game then. You know, when I left swimming, it was a personal journey. And yeah, I had to face it myself. But everybody else was there just still being themselves and being real. And yeah. nothing changed on that front. And that really helped me because all of a sudden, nobody was then going... Oh, well, since you've packed in swimming, that's going to impact me. You yeah. know, I imagine that's a hard conversation. I didn't have those conversations. Um, so for me, you know, they were they were just great parents. They were great parents for me. And, that, and that's what I needed. Like I said, I could have a million coaches if I want. Yeah. You can jump from club to club and go anywhere you want, but you'll only have one true biological mum and dad and, and those parents. 100%. And then let's... Let's talk about someone who I know you've described to me as, as you know, a, a massively, massively important part of your life. Y- your wife, Erica. Yeah. Um, I know she's involved in in the swim buddies as well. Yeah. Um, and massively, massively important to that mm. doing as well as it is. But how does she? How does she deal with with you having? a million and one things going on and still be able to get you to be the Chris that we all know and love and things like that. Yeah. Do you know, me and Erica are bipolar opposites of each other. Like, so we had a personality test done uh, as part of the business to work out the people that work with closely, where are their strengths? Now, personality or psychometric tests are on everything, but they're, they're a really good, useful tool. And they're really good for awareness and kind of personal self-awareness 
So we went and had this thing called Insights done. On the Insights, um, <clears throat> they split into four colors. Um, red, which is typically your kind of go-getters, red goal setters. Your blues, yeah. which are your planners, <clears throat> excuse me, who like a spreadsheet and are really good with methodical stuff, typical accountant sort of thing. You've got your yeah. green people who are very kind of out of harmony. What's the world like? Let's come by around the campfire and all hug, all that sort of stuff. <laughs> and then you've got your yellow kind of creative creative people. And she she came out like ridiculously high red <laughs> the opposite end. And I came out ridiculously high green. And they're almost bipolar opposites. But what happened in, in, in the journey of just doing this sort of thing within business, we realized that actually we complemented each other. Whilst I was there going, hang on, let's think about the children. Let's think about the people. She was there going, yeah. whoa, I'm going to set and we set out on this destination. Don't forget that. And when I really track back in time, that's what Erica was phenomenal at. She was phenomenal of like just dropping under the emotion and going, hang on a second. We might be going through this, but didn't we say we were going to? go for this and she just snap her back and remind us and yeah. and vice versa you know sometimes when you get lost in the goal you forget the people and I would be there to kind of remind us and her so we've always complimented each other in that respect and we yeah it, we, we 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 create we don't find that time we create that time and that's the most important thing that's what your kids remember that's what your family remembers they spell yeah. love t-i-m-e the time you yeah. spend the quality time you spend and yeah, we obviously she's the managing director of the business. She's a phenomenal businesswoman, and you know I, I'm excited for this era that we're in now because I feel as though women in business are starting to get that recognition they deserve. I think we've got a long way to yeah. go, but yeah. female leadership can bring so much. I coach a lot of female leaders, and I get excited about the conversations we have because they're very different to some of the yeah. male conversations I have, and and I've known that with working with Erica she's just a phenomenal yeah. person but a phenomenal businesswoman and she she applies that every day but she brings that missing piece of the jigsaw that I don't have and you know I I truly truly believe in life we have to kind of hold our hands up to say I'm missing this it's not a vulnerability it looks like it but actually you turn it into a strength once you start airing that and telling people and that's where we've been really good as a I guess as a couple because we've been so open and honest about our the bits that we're missing yeah. and the bits that we complement each other with. But yeah, I'm not gonna lie to you, Matt. There's been times when working together, living together, married together, it, it's hard. You it you've got to know the separation. Yeah. And our separation is trash TV. <laughs> we watch <laughs> we watch shit TV like you know, uh, made in Chelsea, all that sort of stuff, like cringe stuff. <laughs> But for me and her, we just love it. It just takes us away. It takes yeah. <laughs> Love Island or right into it. <laughs> right. It's so bad, isn't it? I've gone down, I haven't had, I? I've gone I down. Had so, I had so much respect for you at the start <laughs> of this conversation. <laughs> You're taking it back right now, aren't you? Yeah. Class. Uh, uh, <laughs> oh, mate. I don't know. It's. I think you're right, though, mate. Like, you, you, It sounds like not only do you business-wise complement each other, but also, if it, if it works in business, it works at home, right? You, you you complement yeah. each other. Your styles of raising the kids, I'm sure, complement each other, and yeah. you know your you, your sort of morals and beliefs, yeah, go into each other. And those that you're installing into into Charlie and Casey, they yeah. they get a bit of both from both of you. So 
Agreed. And we have a similar sort of vision on life and, and how life works. We go at it very differently, very, very different. Um, but we always end up with a similar sort of outcome. But our, our belief underlying in that is we, we have to believe in the things we can't see. Because if you believe in the things you can only see, you end up limiting yourself. And we both truly at the core of us believe that, you know, if there's a desire to move in a direction, even though we've got no experience, we will make that start. We'll step out of our comfort zone and make that start. Even though we haven't seen the results because we believe in the power of following intuition. Like I say, we just go about it very different. It looks, sounds and feels very different, but we simply get to the same outcome. Amazing. Um, question that, that I've wanted to ask you for a little while that I haven't, Ooh. right? So obviously a lot of your former teammates mm. in swimming, if you look at, you know, you look at Mel Marshall, you look at, you look at James Gibson, mm. um, you know, you look at um, people of that ilk that have gone on and done exceptional things yeah. as high level swimming coaches yeah coaching the top top athletes around the world you know Mel with, with with Adam um who I was incredibly fortunate to to work with for 18 months and and uh and Gibbo with his wealth of athletes that he's worked with you know yeah. your Liam's your Franz and then and then going on to to this energy standard thing that he's got going on at the moment with the ISL why did you not go into swim coaching that's a good question um I don't know. I mean, I've got a massive respect for Gibble and Mel and the likes who go on to do that. I mean, it's just phenomenal. I, you know, one of my favourite things about moving on from swimming is just peeking over the fence to have a little look and see what they're doing. I just, I've loved it over the years. And it's just, it's phenomenal to see that they've taken their career at the very top and what they did, which was extraordinary itself, but also to to impart those lessons with other athletes, multiple athletes. And that, that's the exciting yeah. bit. Um, for me, it just, it wasn't in my heart. It just wasn't in my heart. It wasn't something that I really wanted to do. Um, I respected it. I loved it. I'm going to be really honest and say a huge part of that was I didn't see anybody in the coaching world who I felt had the lifestyle outside of swimming that matched what I wanted. And that was a big lure for me. I felt in my heart of hearts that you almost had to make a choice between family or the sport. I, I might be wrong. I might be wrong. But I feel as though if I'd have, like, I'm an all or nothing guy. Like I said at the yeah. start, I know who I am. Yeah. I would have gone all in. I'd have gone all in. And I reckon I would have reached this stage and gone, oh, no, I don't have what I actually wanted in my heart. And that's where when I yeah. left swimming, that's where I went through that real traumatic phase because I then had to go right back to the core and go, what, what do you want? Like, what else do you want beyond this? Because it was a cliff edge drop off. It was Olympic yeah. final one day, turning up on poolside and people almost ignoring you the next. <laughs> like, that's yeah. how it works. That's yeah. how it goes. Um, but yeah, that, that, that was the personal reason. But I've got massive respect for people who've gone on like Gibbo, like Mel, who've gone on to coach at the, like the very, very top. It doesn't get more impressive than what they've done. And yeah, it's just, it, it's inspiring. You know, every time yeah. I see them on TV, every time I see them pop up at a games, I'm like, go on, give it some beans. You know, I, I love cheering on people who've 
I've had the chance to to train alongside and get to know. Yeah, I mean, it it, it just struck me as with the personality with with that you have, the way I know you. Yeah, there's just I feel so much you could have given to yeah. a swimming club or to a yeah. you know a group of athletes. But obviously, what you've done is you've taken it and given it to business people yeah. and and, yeah. and that side of things so still in the coaching just just different yeah, different way just yeah different way of doing it yeah um, definitely so let's talk a, a little bit linked to the family um and something you know a, a, a saying i've really really bought into and, and and seen a lot is you know friends of the family we get to choose mm, um, i like that who who would you say, swimming, non-swimming, who would you say are, are, are kind of your your family you've chosen? Who are the friends that have, you know, when you've had the, the argument with Erica and you can't speak to her because you've fallen out yeah. with her at home, so you can't speak to her about business or, you know, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the kids have pissed you off to the point where you need to go down the pub and have a pint. And <laughs> who, who are, who are your, your sort of family you brought in, the friends that, that have really helped you through everything oh god i've got so many i mean it seems a shame just to just to pick a few but you know me me and james give um, me and james curtain so you've kept in touch um over the years and just you know yeah. we shared a room at times me and liam tancock as well and they the people who i can just pick up where i leave off you know you yeah they, they're from there for me you, you, you're really good friends they don't call you up and go Oh, where have you been? Where, where, where have you been? What, you know, they're yeah. just like, how are you doing? You know, yeah. it's straight in there. That's what I love. And, you know, we've shared such an experience with guys like that. And then to still be in contact just shows that you've got more in common than just the water. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, it, it's an extraordinary journey being on, a, on a, a GB team. I almost liken it what I expect it to be almost like national service you know you're kind of thrown <laughs> together with these people and you have to create a team you yeah. have to create a team whether you like them or not and there's plenty of people on there that I'm sure rubbed each other up the wrong way in fact I know <laughs> I know plenty of them but I mean I never really did but I got on with most people if not all I had me moments but yeah, yeah there's there's a few who just rise to the top and I guess they're the ones I feel that your souls have already met yeah. I, I genuinely, genuinely believe there are some souls that have already met and they're destined to meet again, whatever that next stage is after this physical life we're in. Amazing. Um, so, Matt, I, I, I gave you a little bit of a heads up on this one. <laughs> and by a little bit, I mean 24 hours because um, <laughs> my organisation skills are not the best. Let's, <laughs> I think you've been all right, that's, actually. That's, that's, where, uh, that's where mine are. My definite letdowns are. Um, so music for me is a mm. is a massive thing, all right? Massive thing, whether I'm in the best mood I've ever been in or whether I'm, you know, going through an emotional state or, you know, whatever it is going on, there's always a song I can sort of relate to, to something that will either bring my mood up or mellow me out if I'm a little bit yeah. too excited or whatever. Um so I asked you to to have a little think about three songs that have some form of meaning for you. Um, 
Yeah. What's 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 song number one, mate? So this one, and they're not in any particular order, but this one's a motivational one. So it's Know Your Enemy by Rage Against the Machine. Um I'm a little bit of I love heavy, heavy songs. <laughs> I'm like I love yeah, anything like that. It just gets me going. I I love the lyrics, I love the words, I love just everything about it. And it's just one of those I'm with you. It's one of those things, music, that you can just be transported back in time or you can just visualise something happening. And that would be a song that I would use going up to the blocks. You know, Know Your Enemy, yeah. is, for me, is symbolic of know what you're there for. You know, yeah. get get to understand it, study it, be part of it. And huge part of that that enemy bit is not the person, it's the territory. Um, yeah. So I loved Rage Against Rage Against Machine for me were just absolutely class, absolutely class. So yeah, that would be my my top one. Brilliant. I mean, I think you said listening to it behind the blocks. Um, yeah. I was coaching the other day, and I've massively brought listening to music into my coaching. I have music playing every time I'm at a session. Okay. Um, because it's one thing I wish I'd have had. Uh, yeah. But we never got we never yeah. got music. I, I mean. Don't get me wrong. We're talking a few years ago. Portable speakers weren't <laughs> weren't qu- weren't quite the thing they were when when I quit swimming. But um, um, I played I played uh, "Other Side" by Red Hot Chili Peppers. Oh yes! Uh, so that was my song. That was my love it. My go to song behind the blocks. And I've got kids going, "Who's this?" <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I was like, "Oh, you." We're officially old, mate. We're officially uh, old at that point. <laughs> how? <laughs> How the fuck do you not know Red Hot Chili Peppers? <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, no matter. I totally get you when it's a, a song like that that just it just hits home. And yeah. for me, that that, that that just the title, other yeah. side. All I've got to do is get to the other side of this pool as quick as I can. I <laughs> um, love it. I bet song two. Song, song two. two. Where, where are you going? So this is Chasing Cars by Snow Patrol. Um, there's a reason nice. for this. Yeah, I, I went through... So every time I went to a major games, I would start stockpiling all the stuff I needed. This was kind of part, part of my performance preparation. So that would start maybe a year out, if not months before, or maybe longer. I'd start just piling things together and people would give us gifts and also cards and stuff. And I would take that stuff with us and decorate the room. So I took a piece of home with us. And a huge part of it was I would always buy an album or two. So I'd kind of go search for an album. Hopefully, if it was getting released really close to the games, it would kind of almost define it. And yeah. for me, Snow Patrol, Chasing Cars, I was um, 25 at the time. It men- mentions the lyrics of being 25. And it just so many things or drew a comparison. And I can listen to that. I can remember sitting on poolside um, after the meet had finished sun blaring down Athens it was open air pool and yeah. just watching people like Michael Phelps start to rise to the top properly like you yeah. know I just realized I was part of something absolutely great it was a pinch yourself moment I just sat yeah. on my own in the stands like people were like leaving it and I was just sat there thinking wow I did it like a nine-year-old me would be just buzzing right now <laughs> And I just, yeah. I always took those moments to remind myself of how fortunate and lucky I was to be on this beautiful journey. Amazing. I think you've, uh, 
you may have just uh, admitted how old we really are, mate, when you yeah, say you had to buy an album. You had to go and physically go into an <laughs> HMV and, Our and price. pick up a physical disc. <laughs> <laughs> Not just your 9.99 Spotify, but... Um, oh, man. Um, yeah, no, I, I know what you mean, mate. There's a, that there are those songs that just sort of... They just resonate. They, they resonate and they, they, they really hit hit you square in the face with a lot of things that are yeah. going on with you at that that moment in time yeah um all right mate, the last song um last of the three that i asked you to pick yeah so are, this are we so this this one's this one's linked to an album that really defined my teens and that was it's nirvana's unplugged in new york um massive fan of nirvana and it's the man who sought the world it was a David Bowie song originally. Yeah. Um, Kirk Cobain, I was due to go and see him during my teens. I I was swimming. I was doing all right in swimming, but I took a little bit of downtime um, okay. to work out what I truly wanted. So between the age of sort of 15, 16, 17, I spent a lot of time in and out of the water, with still with friends. I still made lots of sacrifices and choices and all that. Um, don't yeah. get me wrong. I wasn't gone for months on end. It was just little moments when I would kind of, you know, go and spend time with my friends and think, do I want to be this? And that's how I knew I did want to be a swimmer because of those moments, because of the stuff I knew I didn't want to be. And it was that little bit of a sabbatical that I took. And that that whole album, MTV Unplugged, it, it just, yeah, that Nirvana song and the, those songs just remind me of that time of yeah. just experimenting. And I remember my granddad saying, but it's, you know, experiments can't fail. They just give you results. And I thought, right, that's it. That's it. That's what I'm going to go and do. I'm going to go just experiment with stuff and just and just see what sticks, what really, truly sticks in my heart for me. Yeah. Um, and that's when I knew. Sometimes I think doing the thing that you're not and doing the thing that you don't want to do is just as powerful as finding the thing that you do. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and it, it's never wasted time. It's never wasted time if you learn from it, ever. No. And that album reminds me of just that time. Wonderful time. Amazing. Yeah, no, we, um, funnily enough, we, we've got a friend's uh, surprise 30th tomorrow. Oh, cool. Um, and his, his girlfriend's messaged all of us. Give me, give me a few songs, you know, like what <laughs> one you really want to listen to, like things, things you're happy to dance to. And I, I don't dance unless I've had... <laughs> at least at least four or five whiskeys but um <laughs> the um she, she asked for one that really rem- you know a memory of y- your time with, with with tom and um the one like you said then that that album sticking for you with your time with your friends and downtime yeah. the one for me is three little birds by bob marley oh cool right we had the most ridiculous drunken dance at our best mate's wedding to three little birds (laughs) and I clearly wasn't drunk enough because I remember it vividly like it was yesterday (laughs) but we just tore the dance floor up and everyone just you know everyone else did the whole circle around us and me and him going at it and um and yeah like you said every time I hear that song I I do you know what I mean I just instantly have that that little grin on my face. So that's what it's about. That is exactly yeah. what it's about. Love it. Love it. Um, so Matt, I'm going to, I didn't set you up for this at all, but um, what, 
what's next for Chris Cook? Oh, do you know what? There is a new chapter looming. I feel it. I don't know yeah. what it is yet. Um, I, I genuinely don't know what it is yet. I'm, I'm really, really enjoying where I am now. And I'm just spending t- some time just kind of assessing that and enjoying it and enjoying yeah. the fruits that are coming now because there is a lot of benefits happening now that we didn't have before. Um, you know, the kids getting older is just opening up life a little bit more, going to do extra things. You know, we do yeah. have that little bit of a better financial situation. So it's allowing us to go on better holidays and all that sort of stuff. So for right here, right now, I'm kind of just spending a bit of time really enjoying Enjoying the hard work, you know. I, yeah, I, I believe you just got to throw yourself in and enjoy the hard work bit, enjoying the journey. But there is a new chapter looming. I can feel it in my bones. I can feel it in my soul, yeah. um, and I feel it's coming close. But I, I genuinely don't know what that is. But I'm excited. I'm excited because I do feel like I'm in tune with that kind of that non-physical guidance, oh, whatever it feels. Yeah, like I was talking about. Before. Yeah, um, feels good. Good man. Well, uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna finish every podcast uh, that I do. So you're the the first one to experience this um, with three "Would you rather" questions. Oh, here we go. Um, and I know you said you think you might be the pioneer of this game through GB Swimming. So I think I might be. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna hit hit the master where it is. And <laughs> my my first one, mate. Uh, would you rather eat savory or sweet? Savory, straight right. out savory. I'm. I, I need to yeah. feel full. I'm a proper okay. lad. I need a proper <laughs> meal. Like a, a Sunday roast for me is like, oh, love it. The epitome. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. definitely. Um, number two, and I think I might know which way this one goes. Would you rather never watch a movie again or never listen to music again? Oh, never watch a movie again. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 music just takes you somewhere else. A movie's a little bit of escapism. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Where yeah, music yeah. is like, I just, I just, I couldn't imagine a life without music. I, I, it blows no. my mind that people, some people in the world, have never heard music. Obviously, yeah. No, it blows my mind. And the only film I would say that's nearly made my change change my mind on that question is the new Top Gun. Is that good, mate? If you haven't seen it yet, honestly. All oh, like, right, I'm going to go see uh, it now. So we went to we went to see it for mum and dad's anniversary, right? With yeah. me, my brother, his girlfriend, mum and dad. So we yeah. were sat in a row of five, and my brother's turned to my mum after an emotional bit. Mum is sobbing. <laughs> like, she is in bits. No way. He's turned around to me to almost, like, say, ha-ha, mum's laughing. I'm bawling with tears as well. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just looked at me and gone, Oh, for fuck's sake! I'm <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> but mate, honestly, it's it's the best film I've seen in years, and I include class. Marvels and all sorts of things in there. All right, I'm on it. it. I'm going to go see it then. That's class. Yeah, that's date night with, with Erica. Sort it of is. Next week. It is. <laughs> <laughs> class. Right, mate, last one. Yeah. And uh, and this one took me a little while to think about. Would you rather? Go back to when you were 10, mm-hmm. knowing everything you know now. So you've got your brain, but you're back when you are Chris Cook at 10. Yeah. Or or would you rather have £10 million put straight into your bank account today? Oh, do you know what? <laughs> this is going to sound really shallow, but there's a meaning behind it. 
I'd rather have 10 mil right now. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. <laughs> genuinely, genuinely, I've got zero regrets for my own life. None. You know, the amount of times that kids in schools have said, oh, what regrets do you have? And I'm like, none. They're like, you must have some, you must have some. I'm like, nah, because I'm here now. I love where I am. And even the shit bits have got us here. Yeah. I wouldn't want to do them again. I genuinely would not want to do some of them again. You know, there's been some horrible, horrible moments in my life that I just prefer to like, I've spoken about them enough. I'm done with them. They're gone. But yeah. The, the, and the, the, there's moments I could, I could say that would just make, make some people go flipping it. I wouldn't have had you going through that, but they've, they've been part of the journey to get me here. And I just think avoiding yeah. that, I'd worry that I'd get to a stage where I then would regret and I, I guess it's just about embracing the beautiful journey that life's given you and that you've taken. But yeah, 10 mil sounds mint. <laughs> 10 mil sounds class. That's where I'm heading. That's where I'm heading. But uh, from a purely selfish point of view, I'd go the other way. Yeah. But only because I sort of think back to when I was 10. Mm. Face- Facebook didn't exist. Instagram didn't exist. Oh, yeah. I'd... If I could find an app developer, give him ten percent <laughs> of whatever I'm I'm going yeah. for, and, and sell those for a couple of billion, I'm I'm sorted. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I I genuinely believe you are meant to be where you are meant to be at any given moment in time. Good bits, shit bits, and everything in between. Hundred percent, mate. Hundred percent. And then, Chris, the last thing I'm going to do, which I don't see happen happen very often on podcasts. Mm. But I want to give everyone who comes on the opportunity to do this. Mm. Um, I'm going to give you the opportunity to ask me two questions. Oh, that's a great one. Right. So my first one would be, what would you change now, knowing your life journey, if anything? The, the The only regret I have, and it's not a regret because... I had wonderful things happen that wouldn't have happened if if I'd have done this. Mm. But I kind of wish I hadn't quit swimming as quickly as I did. Right. Uh, so I stopped at 18, um, had a really serious knee injury when I was 17, um, tore, tore my MCL, um, messing about playing football as you do when you're a 17-year-old lad. But... Uh, yeah, tore my MCL and, and and never never got back. Um, and I quit when I was eighteen. Uh, you know, I was really lucky. I, I was swimming down in Plymouth with John Rudd, and he gave me the opportunity to coach immediately when I said I'd I'd sort of had enough. Mm. Um, but I saw. I, I I don't know if you'll remember him, Steve Beckerleg and Anthony James. I do yeah. So I swam with them. They're they're two oh. of my best mates, and I um. I saw them make the commies in, in Delhi in 2010. Mm. And I sort of went, oh, I could have been there. And we could have had, we could have had three legs of the uh, medley relay going on here. Do you know what oh, I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. So, so that's, but then I also look at it from the other point of view and go, but if I had carried on through to say London, because um, I was 18 in 08. So, um, if I'd have carried on through to London, given it four more years, I wouldn't have then been involved in coaching Ruta with John and, mm. and Lindsay into the the gold medal in 2012. 
um, and the other the other sort of fifteen athletes that we had on Olympic teams, yeah, uh, from around the world. So, as much as from a selfish point of view, I maybe think I could have done something a little bit better with my own swimming career. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be where I am now and be the coach I am if oh, wow. if I hadn't quit at the same time. That is powerful stuff, that mate. I love that, and yeah. I love the fact that like you're able to reflect in that way that you know what if, but the what if hasn't stopped you. That's yeah. the that's the beautiful thing about that. My next question, bit of a bit of a left field one, this one. So, <laughs> if you were to go on a train journey, who would you go with, dead or alive, and where would you go? How many people am I allowed? Just one. Take my granddad. Mm. Uh, my dad's dad. Um, so he he passed away when I was 14. Um, so I I never he never got to see me become the, the sort of man I am today. Um He'd be very closely followed by my other granddad. They were both very important people, but yeah, I, I got less time with with my dad's dad. So I mm. definitely, ta- I definitely take him. Um, and journey wise, I'd I'd probably I'd like to do the tour of Britain that he did. So he was in um, he lived in Wales for a little bit um, when my dad was very young. So I'd like to go and experience what he experienced living in Wales. Um, and then he was in the Cameron Islanders. Oh, wow. um, so going up in up through to Scotland and seeing all of that sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then he was also in the Met Police as well. So doing all the, the things he did with that. Um, yeah, he was a... Hey, look, he was hard. Uh, yeah, he was bet. a hard man. I bet. Um, and that definitely got passed on to my dad. Um, very, very stringent with rules and uh, and that sort of stuff but it, oh mate he was a fighter you know the guy the guy had cancer twice he had four wow. heart attacks he um yeah he was a, it, he was a fighter so yeah a bit more time with him would be lovely and then just experiencing the the journey he sort of went on through through Wales and Plymouth and then Amazing. up to the Cameron Islanders I think yeah that Amazing. would that would definitely do it Oh, that's amazing. They don't build people like that anymore, do they? That's no, mate. That's... That, not at all. <laughs> and breathe. I don't claim to be like him at all either, so. <laughs> oh, he'd be very uh, proud, yeah. mate. He'd be very proud. Oh, that's great. I that's love I love asking questions. It's great. It's a good opportunity to just kind of put the mirror back and ask it back. Yeah, no, Chris, definitely. Uh, well, Chris, that's, 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 that's us, mate. Yes, um, I loved it. I... I cannot thank you enough mate um being uh the first guest agreeing to do it um i know you're an exceptionally busy man so um to take a take an hour out of your time to to do this is really appreciated um pleasure Pleasure. and you know give my love to the family um good luck with everything mate i really really appreciate it um and for everyone else listening uh thank you very much it's it's been a a great pleasure to do this with chris um like i said consider him a an exceptionally good friend now not just a a, a person i know through the world of swimming so it's uh it's been great really hope you enjoyed listening to it and until next time thank you very much cheers chris thank you 
Thanks for listening to Behind the Stats with Matt Cross, sponsored by Buzz Physique. Go to buzzphysy.co.uk and use the code MATT10 to apply 10% off your orders. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. In the meantime, keep up with the show on Twitter at Behind underscore Matt and on Instagram at Behind the Stats with Matt. Until next time.